With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler, buddy. We are on a Monday afternoon. On a perfect fall Monday afternoon. Um, I stepped outside. It's like 66 degrees. A little breeze. Yeah. The leaves are turning. It's fall weather. It's perfect. Um, this is what we live for. This is what we live. Oh, it's so true. It, this week's going to be like great, and I think the next few weeks are going to be great like that. A um, little delayed this week, guys, with Halloween. Uh, Brian was out of town, and I really didn't get kind of settled down until about nine fifteen last night. So we made a call, like, "Yeah, we're not going to be able to do this on Halloween night." Uh, yeah. Shout out my wife who said. I'm sure y'all can pull this off on Halloween night. Like, yeah, yeah, we got it. She's right again. (laughs) We don't got it. (laughs) But you know what? It all worked out. Gave us a little time to review the Georgia Tech game again. And um, how was trick-or-treating, Brian? Approximately how many towns did your your kiddo bring home? Uh, Probably a good two to three, man. I I didn't put the scale on it, but uh, he made a good – we had a good uh, lap around my in-law's neighborhood. Um, They had a lot of of fire pits out last night, so a lot of people sitting out in the driveway with the fire pits just watching the kids run around. Um, It was a good time. It was a good time. We we knocked it out in about an hour, and then we, we headed on home. How about you guys? Very nice. I would say somewhere between five and six. Um, did a little something here at the house with the neighbors and walked around the neighborhood to a point. And I told Brian, we were getting down this bigger street in our neighborhood and we hit like four houses consecutive that were like, no candy. We're out. We're out. So clearly what COVID did was throw people into thinking they could buy one bag of candy in a big neighborhood. Nope. <laughs> so... Definite failure there, but we've got enough candy to easily last us until next Halloween, which is always the goal. We'll put it in the candy bin. and uh, Yeah. Is that other court still doing like kind of like the pre-trick-or-treat stuff anymore, or is that? They didn't this year. Went over there. I was looking for the corn maze. They did not have it this year. Um, But, you know, it's a change in dynamic. You you came over a few years ago, and it was – their kids were a little younger and now their kids are getting a little older. So it, it's a, it's an ever changing dynamic, but we had a great time with our folks and uh, had some pizza and some drinks. And then all went out together, strung out about a hundred, hundred yards long from one end to the other. There you go. All right. Well, Brian, we snapped the streak, buddy. We did dude. Hokey snap. We won one. We won one. We won one. One. Brian was right about Georgia Tech. <laughs> Again, Brian is now like two for two on Georgia Tech calls in the last. There few we go. Here. There we go. Um, but you know, twenty six seventeen win. I was getting out of uh, getting out of a little baseball as the game was ending and had people like, oh, nine, and I looked at it, nine point lead, about three minutes left. And you just kind of look like, again, seriously, it's going to happen again. But it didn't. 
the guys held on. Um, four and four now. You know, two and two. Two and two in the ACC? Yeah, two and two in the ACC. Coastal, not completely out of the ACC championship game, which is going to be uh, – whoever's in there, it's going to be a show. Let's just say Yeah, that. I. this is going to be the weirdest year overall, man, because uh, especially when they – like. Atlantic's not looking great other than Wake Forest. Forest. Wake Forest has had a couple scares even yep. in there. Um, and, you know, obviously Clemson isn't, isn't who, who we thought they'd be this year. No, they're not. You look at you look at the Coastal, um, you know, you got UNC, who definitely isn't who we thought they were. Oh, no. Uh, you, you got Miami um, starting the- to surge a little bit after kind of falling behind. Yeah. Um, and then you got Pitt. Finally, taking a, a loss in the uh, in the coastal there, you know what what can they do to right the ship to make sure they keep the advantage they have? Oh yeah, it's going to be the, the the next month, and that's where we're sitting at. We're sitting at one month away from you know essentially the end of the regular season. It's going to be wild again. It, this it's more and more looking like two thousand seven. Another top ten team goes down. Who was in the running for the Big Ten in Iowa? Not only did they go down, they got absolutely wiped by Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, drug. That's Wisconsin's looked all year. It is. So it's like this again. It's it, every week it happens. It's a little more 2007. So can't uh, can't wait to see the next month. Especially me and Brian are kind of doing love our kids playing sports and everything, but it's kind of like it's over very soon. <laughs> we, we two we, games, two games. Two games. One game. All right. Well, let's start here, Brian. Let's start. Let's look at the offensive performance because, once again, we know the deal. Justin Fuente has been in that room more and more over the last couple weeks. And what did we say last week? What did we say that the number one point of this version, that if we were going to win, what had to be done? Feed the beast. And did they ever feed the beast between Malachi Thomas and He-Man, 39 carries, 186 yards, 4.8 per carry. Not the five we like, but a heck of a lot better than the 3.7 we've been averaging. And uh, Brian, what'd you see out of Malachi, man? That like, like, that makes you think he's the real deal. I tell you the thing that that impresses me most about him is that he goes out there and there's not really a negative play in his game. Um, he, he's always getting yardage. He has good vision between the tackles. When he gets to the second level, he can make guys miss. Um, and he just does a good job of not getting you behind the sticks. He's not going to dance at the backfield. He's not going to, you know, search for the hole. He's going to find what's there, get upfield, get north and south, and then try to make a guy miss. Um, so, and, and I think that's the big thing. And I, some of it is rubbing off on, on him. His yards per carry the last two games are significantly better than his yards per carry for the season. He was like 5.8 on Saturday. And, I mean, he had that big, you know, 25-plus yard run that set up some things. He caught a couple passes for a few yards that, again, even if they don't go anywhere, it's that element of you must defend this with Raheem. And, you know, you've got got to me, you've got your one-two. And you've got your one-two who have some diversity um, in it. Again, I think we still want to see both of them on the field at the same time. Um, I saw a play that was used with um, with the Wayne Lofton that caught my eye. I don't know if you caught this. This was on one of the runs. They motioned to Wayne into the backfield behind the running back, snapped the ball. It, it's an old triple option play is what it is, except yeah. you're using a wide receiver. Basically read it. Braxton let it go, but he pulled it and had the option to go to a little power option right. And if you tell me you put Raheem on the field and line him up wide and then motion him, it, it's even more diversity because if you're doing that, you're probably in a too tight end set. You yeah. know, you're in some sort of set where you're getting potentially a linebacker on him. And to say you're going to try to chase the edge with that, I'd love to see that play ran. Um, let me ask this, Brian, because, you know, we're, we're getting better. We're seeing the runs. Is there anything else we need to see from this room or any one else we need to see from this room to maybe make it a perfect complimentary room? 
Uh, I think at this point, the thing I'd like to see is maybe more targeting the running back in the passing game on passes yeah. that aren't screens. So okay. we, we we know the screen games there, yes, and it it's had had success here and there, not not uh, unanimous success, right? It's it's had some some negative plays and things like that, um, based on when when the when the calls were made and and, and things like that, but. I want to see the running backs get involved in the actual passing game. And some of that is putting some of those damn check downs in this offense where they can get the ball in space when the primary and secondary uh, options are covered and let them try to break a tackle, get up field, get the first down, maybe bust a big play. We haven't really seen that. There was some of that early in the season. We haven't really seen them uh, put those elements back in the offense um, since then. But if we can get some of that in there where we can get these guys in space a little bit more, uh, I think that would pay some dividends. Um, But I'll tell you one thing that has been put back into the offense a little bit is some actual quarterback reads. Yes, there were numerous read options on Saturday, um, and that definitely helped open up the offense, especially – inside the tackles for Raheem and Malachi. And, you know, BB had a solid running game on Saturday. 48 yards on 11 carries, so, you know, right at four and a half a carry. That's adjusted. He did take a few sacks that might not have been great. Um, And there were a couple times he pulled it when he should have let it go. (laughs) The most – and I think the reason he let it go because he thought he could wiggle away from the defensive end. That was late in the third quarter, I think. He, He doesn't pull it holds it and the guy's like right right in front of him and you see him wiggle and the guy just like stands like uh, yep. you know i'm not buying into this. i'm not taking that fake <laughs> got about a six yard loss and, and, and i tell you between that and then the scrambles which we had seen early in the season and you talked about brian the whole time the offense is not doing the best because of braxton but the offense is also not doing the worst because of braxton and we're seeing it more and more and, you know, for him, uh, he had a pretty solid game, you know, close to 250-yard passing, a couple touchdowns, 64% completions. Um, but l- let's talk about the offensive line before we get into the passing game. I did not know this. I had not seen anything. It had not been any buzz. But Luke Tenuta was out on Saturday. I never heard the reasonings um, or read the reasoning, but he was out. And they yeah, had he, got nicked, he got nicked against uh, Syracuse. Okay. But I didn't think he it was it wasn't reported missing a game. Yeah, I didn't think it was a missing a start situation. So, um, but you know, Silas filled in did did a pretty admirable job there. Uh, but the person I was more impressed with was Parker Clements, uh, starting at right tackle. Probably had his best game of his career. I know it's still a young career yes, here. Yes, it is. Uh, but getting him on the field and actually having a game, you know, competition be damned here. Having having a having a game where he looks like you know if if he keeps progressing that he could be that guy at least at right tackle uh, right now if not you know potentially left tackle sometime in the future um, that that's that's a good thing getting a guy out there and getting them some quality snaps and seeing them show it on the field um, yeah. yeah that that's a, that's a positive takeaway you know outside of the outcome that you had you know getting the win exactly. Well, the other thing is he might be the only offensive lineman that has ever got called for holding when he himself was being held on the screen pass. Like, like there's no, no, that that happened to me against Bridgewater back in uh, 2004. So that's the second documented time ever. Second documented time. A offensive lineman is literally getting held so they can't set up a screen. So the defensive player essentially is defensive holding in some way. And he gets called, it sets us back 10 yards. But, yeah, um, let me ask this, Brian. Obviously, there were some changes. If Luke comes back next week, do you do you think it's Parker at right, or do you think do you think Vice sticks to his or going to continue to rotate? That's hard to say because, obviously, you know, Silas did fairly well as well. Um, you know, there were, there were some – 
I'd say Silas didn't do any worse than I've seen Tanuta do most of the season. Okay. So I think not seeing a drop off there is, is, is a positive outcome. Again, we weren't playing the level of competition at, at the defensive line that we've probably played throughout the year. Very true. So you got to take some of this with a grain of salt, but you, you still got to play who's in front of you. And if you go out there and handle your business, regardless of who it's against, I'll, I'll say this, they look better than they looked against middle Tennessee and oh, yeah. Richmond. So, and I, and I think Georgia tech brings more to the table than middle Tennessee and Richmond. So I'll take that. I'll take that. I will too. Um, I still goes back. I still go back to what you always say, put your best five out there. And the, the way we've seen Parker play the last few weeks, he, he might be one of the better five. Um, all the changing inside that offensive room, um, you're kind of saying it. We're seeing more positive than we are negative. We're seeing the line play with more fire. We're seeing them play better as a unit. You know, there have been times it felt like earlier in the season where we were – it looked like this side of the line felt the play, this side of the line didn't feel the play, and the next thing you know, something bad happens. So yep. – um, but again, in a positive direction on the line. Now let's flip over to the passing game. Um, and the line was a big part of that. Only gave up a couple sacks. Um, and Brian, you've been preaching it. You've been slamming your hand on the table. We finally got it. We had some short. We had some good intermediate routes. We had some screens. And then we sprinkled in some downfield passes that actually worked. How shocked were you that, like, what you've been banging, they finally did. And we saw every – I mean – what did Peter Moore punt twice, maybe three times? Where we moved the ball just about every yeah. drive. Yeah, we were moving the ball every drive. Even in the second half, we only got six points, but we were still having success. We just a lot of times either shot ourselves in the foot, whether it was um, a player with the penalty or whether it was you know a bad call at a bad time. Um, we really only had one one series, I think, in the second half that was truly awful. Uh, and we'll address that here shortly. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely a more focused attempt at getting the passing game going. So I like that. That, that that's, that's, that's another positive takeaway from this one. A focused effort to get the passing game going. And the big beneficiary of that was Trey Turner. Oh my God, was he, man? His career day, seven for 187 and a touch. Throw in the little jet sweep he got, 191 total yards from scrimmage. Um, and, the and, touch- and, and the first one was mostly him. It was him. <laughs> it, was, it was a good design, though. Um, yeah. Go back and watch that play, folks. And if you watch what it is, it's a, it's a combo screen post wheel route. Caleb and him look like they're going to go in the stalk block. And essentially, if the guys lay off, which they did, or they actually came up, they run their routes. Very well-designed concept. Braxton put it short. If if he puts it on the money, Trey runs down the sideline, doesn't have to make any moves. He put it to him short, which we know is a big problem. Um, you know, one of his bad-looking passes of the day that worked out. But Tay yep. on that run, man, oh, so many elements. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he broke a tackle. He dragged a guy in the end zone. I mean, it was it was a big big play for him. Um, and then that kind of really got the, kind of got everything going right. Like from that point on, yeah. In the first half, the offense was was pretty much clicking, um, and really only got stopped that one time where where there was a couple penalties that set us back in, into yeah. a, a a long downage situation. It's true. Um, yeah, and. You, you already said it a little bit, but Braxton having one of his better days throwing the ball in terms of statistics, but a lot of the routine throws are still looking a little wonky, right? Well, the ones that look wonky are either the ones that are getting about 20 yards downfield, right? Trace pass. Um, the one that I remember was the first three and out where it was like a little comeback route, about 15 yards, and he put it short. And you're sitting there because it was a really good design and a really good call, and he puts it short. The Tavion Robinson touchdown, that ball wobbled, 
and took forever to get there. I know it was a rollout, so I don't expect it to be perfect. But, you know, that's one of those things you feel like a middle school quarterback could make a better-looking pass than that. At least a high school quarterback, yes. most of them at least. Somebody. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's going to be be interesting to see how this goes forward. Um, and it's, I think a lot of that's going to depend on how the next couple games go. Absolutely. Because I think if the next couple games don't go well, I think we see Taj. You have to. Um, and th- then we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, thankfully, one, one of those games, the, the one coming up, and we're going to talk about that more on Wednesday, um, but, you know, we're playing a team that doesn't put up a ton of points. So, yes, we do. Uh, more than likely, knock on wood, uh, it should need a ton of points for for that to be a W, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We know how things break, how crazy it is. The one thing that sort of drove me and you crazy, Brian, and continues to drive us crazy is some of the third down calls um, because they literally look like a coin flip call. It's okay. You know, there's been times we criticize for being conservative. Yeah, we're going to criticize for that. But then there's times <laughs> where being hyper-aggressive is idiotic especially the way we're running the ball. Well, there, well, there's being aggressive and there's being unnecessarily aggressive or <laughs> recklessly aggressive, right? I mean, Good there, point. Ca- we, we always talk about calculated risk. We don't, we don't talk about going out there and, you know, just throwing balls to the wall and, and, and seeing what happens. We, yep. we talk about taking calculated risk, understanding the situation and, and where risk taking is beneficial for your team or where benef- or taking a risk doesn't necessarily hurt you if you don't get it. Yep. Um, and then we talk about third down and one after a team just cuts it to one score and you're taking a 30-yard shot downfield with a quarterback that has struggled to throw routine balls all game. Yep. It just it, it didn't seem like the right time you had had success, you know, in that 10 to 15 yard range most of the game. Um, even when Braxton's not exactly throwing the tightest spiral, the ball's still getting there in that range. Yep. Why, why are we taking not just the risk with um, the, the ball potentially, but the risk of giving the team that has a little bit of momentum now giving the back. ball back after, after a quick three and out, right? Absolutely. And that's why I called them, that's why I put it on here, coin flips. Because you don't know what you're going to get. In that situation, third and one, especially after they scored, is you want to slow that momentum. And the way we had ran the ball with Braxton, with Malachi, with Raheem, even running the jet sweep, we were getting positive plays. We were getting positive plays, so it's one of those, why not run it? Where I got more frustrated with it, Brian, is there were some plays like third and 14, you know, where we're, we're running inside, you know, inside zone or we're running a QB draw. Versus, okay, that is the play, take the risk. That is the play, go downfield. If you miss it, oh, well, we're punting anyway. If you hit it, great. If if they pick it, well, you're probably going to put it about where they'd get the ball. But then then there's this whole side where there were some plays where it was third and, you know, 10, 12. We ran, like, some quick slants, some quick passes, one screen, where it was like, I like that call there. Yeah. I like that call there because – you're getting in your playmaker somewhere between five and eight yards. If there is yeah. one missed tackle, like it's the it's the it's the Tay Robinson mastery of the inside screen. Yeah, and and we, and we talk about that all the, all the time, right? So if you're going to throw the ball short of the line to gain, it's got to be a, a a a ball that gets your guys in space, right? Yep. It can't it can't just be something where, you know, you're slamming slamming the ball against the line of scrimmage and hoping that it squirts out on the other side for a big game. Mm-hmm. Again, it's this whole it's literally he's taking a coin, he's flipping it. Oh, it's third and fifteen. I'm just gonna run the ball here. Oh, it's third and one. Let me go deep. I, I like logic with my play calling. Not just oh, this might work here. Um and, and logic doesn't mean predictable. Logic just means 
okay, this makes sense given the risk reward of the of the moment, of the down and distance of the situation. Third and one, if you tell me, oh, we're going to pass the ball, we're going to run a three-yard out. We're going to run a little fake inside zone and run a three-yard out. We're going to try to put it front shoulder to catch the ball. Perfect sense. It's a quick developing play. Or think about the Gallo play that he dropped a couple of days ago. That was quick run. He went and hooked up, what, three and a half yards on a third and two play. He dropped it, unfortunately, but that's okay. That logic made sense. Yeah. All right, let's roll on. How key was were special teams Saturday to winning that game, man? I mean – I mean, especially John Parker Romo. I mean, and he's he's really getting to the point where I mean, he is an absolute weapon for us. Um, he is, you know, short short of the 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 two missed uh, short ones, you know, chip chip shots early in the season, which he's corrected. Uh, yeah, he's correct. I mean, that. he's he's been absolute money, and you know, I, I I'm not going to knock him for missing the one he missed because uh, I mean, 50? he had the. He had plus 50, had the leg slightly to the left. It's okay. I mean, I'll take it. And you can knock the call to, to take the kick there, to take True. the points more than you do him missing it. And he, and you don't knock it too much because he's shown he's got the leg and he's more or less got the accuracy to make it from there. It's just, I mean, that's, that's, that's a coin flip call that you got to, you know, note. take the, take the risk if you want the points or take the risk if you don't get the points, you're giving up the field position. And you know what? In, in tight spots, too. The 48-yarder in the first half, you know, playing tempo, getting in range, and then kicking it through, like, that that takes some nerves. So, yeah. he's one of those guys you feel if you get in a situation late, the way he's been kicking, it can work. Um, yeah. Peter Moore, again, you know, I mean, he's got boom. He's got touch. When I say touch, if, if, if he's trying to pin you, he puts the wedge. If he gets the distant control right and it lands on the one, it's coming back so it's not rolling into the end zone. And the accuracy to the sideline. I mean, he's 18, and if he can develop and get bigger and get his leg even stronger than what it is, he's going to be on an NFL team in four to five years without a doubt. Yeah, he he's already at where most second-year kickers are. It's real good second-year kickers. Yeah. Um, so if, if he can continue that trajectory, that's going to be big for him. That's going to put him in, in NFL conversations. Um, so that's, that's going to be huge. Um, and I, and I like to see it. I like out the gate that, you know, special teams, we had two big question marks coming into the season in the kicking game. And both of those have been definitely more, more assets than they've been liabilities the whole year. Absolutely. And we always talk about hidden yardage. We talk about it with Romo. Hidden yardage there because you're getting the points when you're not expected. More pinning people deep. Tay Robinson is another just he eats into net punting averages anytime he gets his hands on a ball. And yep. and this week he had 31 total yards. He had a little seven yard run that I think he started like at the 24. He got it over the 30. And then he had the big 24 yard run that really helped with field position. It would not surprise me if the next month would not surprise me is if they said, just don't kick it to him. He's a risk to take it to the house. He always eats into our net punt. You know, aim it 10 to 12 yards short and angle it. We'll, we'll, deal, we'll, 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 we'll control the outcome of the situation yep. where he can't get the ball in his hand to potentially make a big one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he's definitely out there um, helping us maintain that field position. So now we've got – Pretty good returns. We've had pr- pretty good returns all year. I know King was doing a lot better when he was healthy, yep. um, but the return game has been been good in the kickoffs. Tay Rob has been excellent on punt return, especially for a unit that last year was played by muffs, muff, muff, and muff. and not really able to find a guy that could be a, a, a constant back there. Tay Rob has stepped up this year and not just eliminated that aspect of it, but become a com- a, a big asset in terms of uh, helping with field position and, and you got the kickers doing their thing, man. I mean, it's, it's been a, it's been a solid effort on special teams. So shout out to the, uh, our coordinator, uh, Shabes there and do, just doing a good job. Absolutely. Um, getting these guys ready for game day. Absolutely. All right, Brian, before we turn it over to the defensive side of the ball, we are going to uh, take a quick pause for a message from our digital partners. 
As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right, Brian. A tale as old as time for any Virginia Tech defense. Running quarterbacks. And although Sims didn't quite do what Schrader did um, or what the guy for Notre Dame did, he still had a solid day, 11 carries. 60 yards. We even sacked him a couple times into that. So his probably true carry was probably probably closer to 80. So yeah. let me ask this. Is it the linebackers in the secondary or is are we having missing tackles or are we having defensive line integrity? And I got to see this yesterday with the Niners and I can't remember who's calling the game, but he showed in the first half how we weren't in the right spots. So we were leaving Justin Field gaps to run through. And then he showed the adjustments, and it's like there's nowhere for him to go because they're keeping sound quality. What is it yeah. for this team right now? While it's a little bit of both, it's more of the former than the latter. Um, the the D line is more or less doing what they need to do. That where they're struggling is actually on backside contain more than they are on necessarily gap integrity. Okay. A lot of times on, on with backside contain is that they're. They're relinquishing that leverage uh, to the quarterbacks quicker than they need to. And then, you know, the quarterbacks got a little bit more juice to get to the edge than they do to, to meet them there. So um, that that's a little bit of a problem. But I think the bigger problem is some of those missing tackles and some of the, the safety fits that we've had um, the last few weeks. They haven't been awful. Um the problem is, is that when they have happened, it, it's very much like last year, where you know it's when a when a safety doesn't get where they need to be, that's that's when you get those big plays coming up. Um, it's it's really hard to stop a play for going to, from going less than twenty if the safety misses a tackle in the in the fit. All right, upside probably for the next month until we get to UVA, we're not going to have guys who are super fleet of foot. I know the guy at Duke's got a little bit of athleticism, but whoever we see at BC does not. And Miami's Van Dyke, similar to the kid at uh, Duke, a little bit of athleticism, but none of that crap um, to be worried about. Um, Let me ask this. All right, if I told you that Gibbs was going to have 100-plus on less than 15 carries, close to 50 yards receiving but how would you have felt on Saturday at 1155 uh yardage I wouldn't have felt really good about I would be like yeah that's probably that's probably gonna be a bad day for us but when I slipped in no touchdowns feel much better much better and and it, it, it was a couple things I mean I think overall we did a good job of being where we needed to be. Um, a lot of yep. times, I think the the big thing that we had trouble with was was getting guys to the ground consistently. I mean, the last few weeks we have become a questionable tackling team. We've reverted. That, that's, that that that's a little concerning, um, and we'll, we'll see if that trend continues or if that tightens up a little bit. I don't know if it is just the season wearing on and some, you know, technique going out the window a little bit or, or what it may be. Um, but we've definitely struggled with getting guys to the turf consistently. And I mean, one was like, I can't remember if it was, uh, if it was Sims or, um, or Gibbs, but we had one where we missed, we missed like three tackles. And one of those was like, should have been routine. It should have been just yeah. get him on the ground. And then all of a sudden he squirts out and breaks another tackle. And next thing you know, he's in the red zone. Yeah. Um, and, and we got bailed out a couple times. There was two big plays that Gibbs had. that got called back for, uh, I think one was definitely holding. I think the other was a block in the back. Yeah. What um, was a block in the back? They talked about that was like, it was that borderline call, but yeah. Hey, sometimes they go your way. Sometimes they don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we got bailed out on the, like I said, one of those went for a touchdown, long touchdown. Yep. Um, that ended up getting put back, I think at like the, the 35 yard line or something mm-hmm. like that. So it was still, 
you know, he cut, still cut the field in half, but it wasn't the huge, you know, 60 plus yard touchdown that it was uh, initially there. Exactly. I think the way we have to look at it, especially with him, is the way Gibbs, how highly regarded was. I mean, again, he was a top 50 player, a top five running back coming out just, yeah. you know, two years ago. Is you have to feel okay because he, he had 11 and he had 100 plus. But once you take that 60 plus yard that he ran later in the second half out, we were getting to the ground. We were meeting him at the point of attack. Yeah. And, and that's what you have and to I've, look at. And I found when when our defensive line is getting there, we we do a pretty good job yeah. of getting guys to the ground. Um, it's when things when the gaps are there, when the holes are there, when the safeties have to come up, and the gaps a little bit bigger than you like, and they've got to make that tackle in space, and there's still some wiggle room. Yeah, that that's when things get a little dicey. Um, and and that and that's true with both teams. I mean, those are those are just generally harder tackles to make. Uh, but you still got to make sure that you're getting guys to the turf. And uh, if you're able to fit them up, you got to get them to the ground. It's true. Now, one guy who did have a good day, Brian, statistic-wise, was Alan Tisdale. 12 total tackles, two and a half for loss. He even had a quarterback hurry. And I know he had some missteps here and there. But is this one of these things where is this like, is this just he had a really good day? Was it the type of scheme we were playing? Or is it one of those things where, Errors you saw a few weeks ago, he's cleaned them up, or he's cleaned them up where they're not as they're not as penal as they were before. Yeah, I mean that's that's really hard to say. I, I think we need you know the the jury is still out at this point. I think okay. we need a little bit more more tape uh, to see if this is a a positive trend, uh, whether this is something scheme wise that they did differently, or if this is something that um, was just kind of a kind of a one off. Um, you know, hopefully we're building on something, um, you know, going forward. I didn't see it. I didn't see anything overtly that said they changed how they were deploying him or anything like that. Um, yeah, I think the only person they, that they deployed a little bit differently, which actually helped with one of the things we talked about last week was, uh, seeing Barno stand up a whole lot more, um, this week. And I think that that helped with his overall conditioning and play to his strengths a little bit more as well. Um, but when we talk about Tisdale, um, like I said, I think the jury is still out on whether, you know, this is going to be something of, of a trend or whether it's just a one-off good day for him. But either way, um, you know, he, he did pretty well. There, there was, a, you know, like everybody, there's a play here, play there um, that you didn't make that you could have. But in terms of his overall game, probably one of the better games he's played all season. Yep, good for him. Hopefully build upon it, especially going up to the stretch run here. All right, Brian, something that we had harked on in against the Syracuse game of how bad we were on the money downs on third and fourth down. Well, this week, significantly better on those two downs combined. Four for 15 for Georgia Tech definitely hurt them. Now, one of those four was the touchdown where uh, Tamari Connor did get sort of burned um, yeah. by McGowan. And McGowan, we know, is probably their best uh, overall wide receiver. But – you know, just looking at it, is the field like, was this just a game flow? Like we got ahead, so it hurt them? Or was it something different where even when they were, they had manageable situations, they didn't know what was coming from us in those situations? Uh, probably a little bit of both. I think um, we've, we've been better on third down this year significantly compared to last year. Um, but fourth down has been awful. Yes. And I think this is just kind of a, we, we finally put that trend in place for a full four quarters, uh, yeah. at least on third down. Um, I think thir- third down was probably that, that was probably our best third down yeah. uh, performance all year. Thir- three for 12. I mean, yeah, I'll take that every day. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take five for 12 every day. <laughs> yeah so i mean that on third down i mean there's not a, a lot to complain about um you know i think we we put them in situations where they felt like they needed to get first downs because they were playing a little bit of a catch-up especially as we went further into the uh the second quarter and third quarter um but i think we did it we just did a good job of taking what they were giving us and, and, and kind of understanding, all right, well, if we get them to the ground here, 
will get off the field, understanding that down in distance. And I think we did a good job of understanding that down in distance and not giving them any more than we could allow, but, but still doing a, a pretty consistent job of, of getting them to the turf. All right. Well, something else we got today we haven't seen too many of. We, it was a fourth down, but we got a red zone stop. Um, you mentioned to me you thought Collins was chasing points. Yeah. I mean, but isn't that sort of beneficial? If a guy's trying to chase points because they're down, you know, the way we had played all year, you almost feel like if you look statistically at what we had done on fourth down and what we had done in the red zone, you wouldn't have taken the same risk? He's chasing points there, and I, and I say that only because of how much time was left on the clock, but I, I get your point. If you yeah. look at historically this season <laughs> on fourth down – and red zone. That was better than a coin flip, right? More better than a coin flip. <laughs> Significantly better than a coin flip. Um, and especially, you know, when you when you put the red zone factor in there. Um, so finally getting a actual true red zone stop that wasn't a turnover. Um, and well, it wasn't a turnover uh, in terms of force turnover, not a turnover on downs. Um, and getting them off the field there. Obviously, you saved the three. You, uh, you gave your defense some confidence. And the defense more or less played well in the second half and really the whole game um, overall. Uh, you know, missed tackles aside, that's really the biggest complaint I've got about yeah. the defense. Um, I knew that their uh, tandem in the backfield were going to put up some yards. And they did. But but we did a good job, you know, that one touchdown on fourth and one aside. Uh, well, fourth, I forget what it was, fourth and whatever, that uh, when Connor got beat. Um that play aside, we did a good job the whole game in the secondary uh, covering those wideouts. Yep, definitely. You know, he only had a 180-yard pass. And I know we talked about it. They're primarily a run-based team. But they were still two top 60 ranked in both passing and running the ball. So you knew you were going to see more run, but you knew they could be successful throwing the ball. So I think that was just such a big key. And, again, there were two guys. There were two guys on the field that could really beat us: Jeff Sims and Gibbs. They didn't yep. beat us. They didn't yep. beat us. And if you told me we're sitting here talking about a loss today, I'd say maybe Sims has twenty, thirty more yards, and uh, Gibbs has one or two more touchdowns. But we we held. Um, yep. Last piece, Brian. Before we take a look at the pickums and wrap this thing up this afternoon. What about the play of Jalen Griffin, man? Yeah, I mean, he played well. He, he was in that second line of that defensive end. Play, played really well. Um, you know, I don't know if this was kind of a, a boost uh, for, for the, Gr- Griffin, the Griffin Bowl. Yeah. Um, w- whether it was just a little bit lighter competition or whether it was something where he's, you know, putting pieces together and starting to starting to turn the corner there. Uh, but that strip sack was a big moment in the game because that set us up for one of the two field goals we got in the second half that ended up being yep. key in closing this one out. So uh, big shout-out to Jalen Griffin. That was a good game for him. Hopefully see uh, see more of that uh, against BC coming up this week. It's true. And he should have had the second sack because the that was a soft roughing the passer call. That he Super took, soft. Yeah. Super Charmin soft. soft. Charmin soft taking down Sims. Um, that would have put them in like, I think fourth and 26 or something insane. Like, you know, but for him seeing, just hearing him take a step. And again, what the hope becomes is not only with the second line is some mixing and matching with the first team guys to give them extra breathers. We we've talked about it. We talked about Cole Nelson coming on. I think Jalen has the skill set. You just have to deploy him at the right time. I don't think, just looking at his size, you can't expect him to go into a, a lot of running downs. Um, yeah. But when it's those second and long chances, let him go in. And then, you know, put Garber to Barno out and then flip him back in if he becomes third and short. Like, let's, let's be wise with how we rotate him because I think he can become that guy we need to give them those breaths so when we get in those tight games late, they're not done for the day. Yeah, and I mean, he's the ideal guy to give Barno a blow there. He's the ideal guy to come in um, opposite Cole Nelson. 
Um, I think the problem that we were having early on is that our second line was pairing him with Eli. And and, and that that that's that's way too undersized to be something that you can roll for more than um two plays. Know, a few downs of a series. Um <laughs> So I think that's the big problem. And so having Cole Nelson come on, I think may be something that's helping Griffin really utilize uh, his talents a little bit more because he's got a bigger body opposite him that can do some of those things uh, to help out in the running game where, yeah, you can still run at Jalen maybe, but you know, you at least got somebody on the backside that can kind of clean some of that up and it can't run both directions. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Brian, prediction-wise, I picked Georgia Tech. Completely wrong. Glad to be wrong. You went Virginia Tech. And we won by nine, not three. So, you know, super shocked me. Only marginally shocked you this week. Yeah, so, only marginally. Like I, I think the thing here is that, you know, I think some of this was – pessimism was fully setting in yes still in <laughs> and it's still in and 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 i think the thing that we need to realize here is that because pessimism is set in we can't overreact to this outcome either no can't because th- this is an expected outcome at best right like we we expect to win by more than a touchdown against this type of georgia tech team every year so let's not beat our chest. We can be happy with the with the win, which we and are. I'm very happy with the win. Super happy. Um, but let's not recalibrate based on this win. We we still need to do other things against better competition before we start saying, "All right, we're we're, we're making a turn here." Exactly. Exactly. So so grain of salt, but good good win. Players played hard. You, you uh-huh. love that. Uh, and they played hard every game, win, lose, execution errors, coaching errors, all that. I mean, they, they've been putting it all out there. So yes, you got to respect them for that. You absolutely have to respect them for that, especially what had happened in three of the four games prior. So yep. super, super shout out to them. And actually four of the five games before that. All right, yep. Brian, you almost did it. <laughs> so close. Brian's, Brian's so close. pick them was 9-0-1. And, and I'm going to read down just so y'all know what he got. Miami Pitt, he took Miami in the points. Miami wins outright. Syracuse at home, he laid the six. Syracuse won by two touchdowns. Took Wake. Wake blows the doors off Duke. Could have, what well, he probably could have laid 33 in that one, so could have doubled it up. Yep. NC State comes back, handles Louisville. Notre Dame runs away from UNC late. BYU not only covers the two and a half, almost hangs 70 on UVA and Provo. Billy Napier, they easily beat Texas State. I think I was 45 to seven was the final. Um, anyone who gave or took Ohio State laying 18 and a half points has not watched any of their games. They were coming in hot. They had played trash. Brian went Penn State. And then... The big matchup of the day, he took Sparty in the points. Sparty wins outright. Um, and probably even the way, regardless of that game flow, you were probably going to cover that. Yep. So, 3.30, Florida State Clemson. Oh. There's about 12 seconds left on the clock. Florida State's down, State is down three. And it's the ultimate bad beat. Ultimate bad beat. Essentially, there was a, it was fumble, scoop and score, scoop and score with three seconds left to draw. We got it at ten. We did not get it at nine and a half. I don't think we would have changed either at nine and a half from FSU. Um, and it doesn't really change a ton in the in our in our matchups either because we both went with. Uh, with FSU here, so no, it doesn't um, change it. It, it would it would have just moved the draw into the into the loss column for both of us. So yeah, but what this week did do is we are going to have a race down the home stretch. Even as crazy and as bad as my weekend started, a huge ACC perfection for me, um, six three and one to keep a yep. one game lead. Brian's at 51, 40 and one. I'm at 52, 39 and one. So made up three games this week. 
made up three games this week. Which I'm gonna just like pat myself on the back for you going nine and zero. I didn't lose the least. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you you at least were better than the uh, than the coin flip to keep the lead. I was better. Than, I, I was two out of three. I mean, yep. I don't trust BC anymore, so I will pick them to beat us because that's been my mo lately. <laughs> um, don't yeah. trust them. They're beating us. They're beating us. They're definitely beating us. But yeah. It was it was a fun thing to watch. And when I woke up on Sunday morning and started looking, actually, I woke up like in the middle of the night and I rolled over and I looked at the phone and I saw it was like 45-42 UVA. And I was like, oh, man, we lost that one. Didn't pay attention to how much time was left. Turned it over. Turned it over again when I wake up five hours later. 66 to 45. How much time was left in that game to score four, three touchdowns and a field goal? It's like, oh, yeah, I was looking at, like, early third quarter. <laughs> but it was, like, 2 in the morning, it felt like. So, I don't know what it was, man. So, again, you know, this is our Monday episode. We will be back crossing our fingers back to normal time Wednesday, yep. 9.30. And then hopefully next Sunday we're back at 9.30. Brian, anything else you want to talk about before we close it up here? I think we're good to go, man. We made, right. made some light work of that one. We did. Just under an hour. Just under an hour. Not bad at all. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. We always let our buddy Jason Long play us in, play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. Big win Monday. As always, Brian, let's go. Okies.